0: Welcome to We Are Free. I'm your host, Becky Marquecho, and you're listening to episode 38. This is a podcast about letting go of what we think our lives should look like and the sweet freedom God has for us on the other side of surrender. My guest today is Katie Blackburn. Katie is a wife, mama to five, writer, teacher, and learner. She is saved by grace and helped along the way by quiet mornings at her kitchen table with God's word and a good cup of cold brew coffee. Hey, Katie. How are you doing? Hi, Becky. I'm well. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. So your quiet mornings with five kids, what time does that start? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, it's a great question. I, I try to be up and at my table by about 5.30. That's great. In the morning. And then I, that's I can usually get between 45 minutes and an hour. And sometimes... The kids hear me and they they come and join me and sometimes the Lord smiles and I get like till seven seven thirty so that's a big smile. <laughs> <Yes>.
0: <laughs> oh, my daughter's been getting up early. We're in this midst of like we need to do some nighttime potty training. So her body she's getting up earlier and earlier. And I'm an early person, but my early is like gotta get up at four fifteen if I'm gonna get anything in. You're so, gonna get any
1: time? Yeah, yeah. that happens about fifty
0: percent <laughs> of the time. Um, that's awesome. You guys, Katie uh, is a writer. She's a lot of things, but I found her because she's a beautiful writer, and uh, she wrote an essay in the book, uh, The Magic of Motherhood, and if you haven't heard of this book or seen this book, it's a collection of short essays by very talented, honest, thoughtful, creative women who write about all different types of things about motherhood, the good stuff, the hard stuff, I think it's called, and everything in between, um, the joys, just honesty, and... It, I, I loved this book so much. It made me laugh, made me cry, all the things that motherhood makes you do. Um, and Katie's essay is called The Mom They Need. Katie, did you write more than one in there? I forget, but i that's the one I remember that stuck with me. Is there more in there? Yes. We, okay.
1: um, all of the writers had three essays three. in there. Okay, cool. Oh, cool.
0: Um, but the one that just piqued my interest is called The Mom They Need. So we're going to chat about that today. And even if you are not a mama, I believe that this is going to be uh, relatable because it's it, we're, we're talking about the same stuff we're always talking about. It keeps coming back to how life looks different than maybe we thought it did and why that's good and okay and how what and how God is using that in our lives. Um, Katie, why don't you just back us up a little bit and tell us about your family, um, all those cute kids that you have. How did you guys all come together? Just fill us in a little.
1: Yeah. So I have... Five children, um, seven and a half and under. And it, it, it sounds like a circus probably with all those young children. And it kind of is, but mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a, a fun one. So, um, my husband and I had three children pretty close together. They're 17 months apart and 20 months apart. Okay. And we thought, that we were probably done that God was kind of done building our family at three children. And then in the summer of 2018, we met, um, a young woman in our city. She was 21 and she was seven months pregnant when we met her and she was living on the streets mostly. And, um, so we just, I mean, we really, we met her through my mom who was volunteering at an organization um, that was helping homeless young adults, and so we just got to know her and had her out at our house a couple of times, and um, we knew pretty quickly as we got to know her that she was going to need a lot of help with um, her daughter, and so I said to her, "You know what? We'll we'll help you if you need it." And and so when I when I offered that, I had no idea where that would go. I was kind of thinking it would be diapers and bottles and how to burp a baby and how to do certain things. But, um, when Ava was born and it became clear pretty quickly to hospital social workers, um, that it was going to, that her mom was going to need more than just, you know, help with learning how to do it. Yeah. that She was not in a place where she could do it. Um, Ava's mom asked, you know, will, will, will you, will you take her for now? And so that it began as kind of an unintentional for us step Mm -hmm. into foster care, because, you know, of course we were, we just couldn't say no to that, you know, at all. This little baby girl was four days old and she needed a place to go. And so the answer was absolutely. And we'll figure it out as we go. Yeah. And, um, what started as foster care, um, ended ultimately in an open adoption with, both, um, with her, with both of her parents, her biological father is also a part of that open adoption and they are, they're good kids. And, um, and they're, I mean, they're young adults now, Mm -hmm. but they are, they are young and they are, they're, they're a part of our life in a really sweet, in a really sweet way. So we adopted Ava, um, just this past February officially. Okay. But during our time fostering Ava, we also we got a little surprise (laughs) um, in the the form of our fifth baby, Beckett, who was born. um, He's almost a year old. So he was born in June of 2019. And so we got we thought we were done at three and we got these two precious blessings that are eight months apart now. And we are a family of seven. Wow. So I don't really have to ask why you
0: thought your family was gonna look one way and it looks a different <laughs> way now. Um yes. when when all of that was going on, like what was going on inside your heart? Did you feel um open to it? Were you were you like, God, you know, why you know, you thought you were done at three.
1: Like what was your I guess your posture at that time? Yeah. My posture was definitely one of, wow, God, like your ways are certainly higher than ours. It's it is Funny though, because wanting to live our lives in a way that really God writes the story mm-hmm. and we we aren't strong arming him for the pen, like, oh no, Lord, but like, do it this way, do it this way. We We have been working on that, my husband and I as a couple for years, trying to truly release our lives to let him do what he wants in yeah. us. And so, you know, part of that, part of the reason that we, um, we didn't necessarily feel called to foster care or adoption, but what we did feel called to do was be near the broken and be near the vulnerable. And so it was really just our proximity to that that then led to this relationship that led to getting this baby girl that ultimately the Lord would bring, would allow adoption to result from that. And so it wasn't a let's adopt. Mm-hmm. It was let's, let's try to, you know, act justly, love mercy and walk humbly with Mm -hmm. our God. And so that's what it came down to. And then obviously just, um, our little surprise pregnancy was, it was not something that we planned, but again, it was, it was going, okay, Lord, this is, this is obviously your will for us. And we're going to trust you with it. It feels very overwhelming and absolutely at times felt really, really scary. We had only had Ava for a couple of weeks when I found out that I was pregnant. And I I can remember sitting on our rocking chair just kind of sobbing in anxiety. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can do this. Um, I get very sick when I'm pregnant. And mm-hmm. so having a newborn baby and also being very, very sick was a super vulnerable position. and mm-hmm. um, again, I could do uh, I tell a whole different story about the Lord's provision like through other people and um, through just increasing our capacity in in that season alone mm-hmm. but it it's uh, if you tell God like, I want to live surrendered to you, I mean he might actually like bring you through seasons where you physically, have to be reliant on him because you cannot do it on your own. You are on the couch with nausea or throwing up, mm-hmm. laying next to a newborn baby and you can't do it. You have to accept help in the form of other people. Yeah. Or So that's, um, yeah, surrender has been, It's been something that God has been working on in us in a long time, for for a long time. And this is what our family looks like now is just this beautiful picture of, okay, God, you do it. You do it. Your story about Ava
0: and with um, just wanting to be near the broken and ending up in adoption, it reminds me of like Emily P. Freeman's like the next right thing, like just like one step at a time, you know, like you didn't know where you were going to end up, but he brought you closer to him and near his heart along the way um, yes I love that so if your family doesn't look how you thought it would look um, but now that you have these five kids like motherhood you you know you've written that uh, you know being a mom is nothing like you thought it would be um so your family came about not in a way that you didn't think it would come about but let's talk about like the now that you actually have that family and motherhood like how is that different from what you thought it would be outside of how, you know, your kids got there.
1: Right, right, right. (laughs) you know. Um, At this point, it's it's difficult for me to remember, you know, exactly what I thought motherhood would look like, Mm -hmm. but I'm certain that it was easier in my head than it is in reality. (laughs) Of that, I am sure. And I'm not just really talking about kids and how they can be strong-willed or how, you know, they can struggle with all manner of things. In life. I, I generally knew that and I, I think I was prepared to have very imperfect children. I mean, I knew that I was not going to be raising robots. Mm-hmm. Thank what God. I, <laughs> yes, right. What I don't think I really understood was myself. I don't think I realized how impatient I could be. I don't think I realized how selfish I could be. I I don't, I never really knew my propensity to go to the places emotionally where i am like yelling at my children or i am the one storming out of the room <laughs> i don't know maybe i'm the only one or i'm, I'm the am... <laughs> only one <laughs> <laughs> or i am so frustrated that i'm like shaming my children with my words you know um when you're tired and your day is not panning out the way you want to and your plans aren't working out and you combine that with the fact that you're just flat out a sinner it is not always the Instagram version of motherhood and that my, my propensity to not be as good at this as I thought I would be Mm -hmm. (laughs) as I wanted to be. That's like, that's sort of the the biggest difference between what I thought and what is reality. Not that my, my children have been children since the beginning of time they have always been children but the realization that we are not as cool or as put together as we think we are yeah is something that motherhood is constantly teaching me i am not that good i am not that awesome i need jesus i need jesus a whole lot and mm-hmm. i am constantly relearning that yeah
0: what's do you know your enneagram number i am a 2 okay yeah Okay,
1: I Just am curious. a two, mm-hmm. and I'm married to a two as ah, well. Interesting. So, so, yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting dynamic when you're, yeah, you're both helpers, and you neither of you like conflict. And yeah, so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Katie, yeah. what would you say your greatest challenges are? So, you're talking about, you know, you obviously we need Jesus, and not, you know, thinking we're, we might be as good at it as we thought we might be. Um, what does that look like in your day to day? Like, what are some of your greatest challenges you face?
1: hmm Well, so right now we have two toddlers. So right and, there. So just call it right that. <laughs> Period. Yeah. Full stop, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yes, two toddlers. But we also my um five year old is on the autism spectrum. And so he has some significant special special needs. And so those those dynamics, but really like all of my kids, they're they're all human beings, right? We all have sinful, selfish hearts. And I, I want to teach all of my kids every single day about the story of how God rescued us. And so, you know, besides the very obvious, you know, challenges of just the circumstances of having a child with special needs and then having two toddlers, um, the greatest challenge for me is probably daily laying aside everything That is in the way of that work Mm -hmm. of teaching my kids the story of our rescue, because I want to be efficient with my time. I want to do good work. I want to be a good writer. I want to read good books. There's a million things that I want to do in the day for myself. And so my greatest challenge is, is, I mean, to use the word surrender here, Mm -hmm. like surrendering that to the work God has given me, to what the, the work God has clearly given me to do in taking care of all of these kids with their unique needs and their unique situations.
0: Yeah. Can you give us some real life examples of like what that looks like in your day-to-day?
1: Yes, it is. (laughs)
0: Because I think that'll be encouraging because I think we all feel it in different ways, but just realizing like, yes, we all need to lay down more of ourselves to do the work that he has in front of us. But like, what does that look like in your home?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's like reminding yourself that that motherhood is one constant lesson in humility. So tangibly. And this is something that um, you know, when I wrote that essay, The Mom They Need, I realize now looking back on that, I think I wrote that, gosh, like six years ago, five years ago, but that that was like the very beginning of me learning that parenting is not a performance. And it's not, um, it's not me trying to get my kids to make me look like I'm a good mom. And because I wanted that so badly, I wanted I wanted my kids to be the ones that like the kids that went in the room and were the, the most kind and they were always sharing and they were never stealing toys and they were, and that is just not how it always played out. <laughs> I have great kids. They're awesome, but they're children and yeah. uh, we have had to, um, Address, you know, things from teachers like you know your daughter was being a little bit of a bully today. And it's hard to swallow. It's hard to swallow. And but this is the difference is that I think, you know, the mom I was a couple of years ago was like I felt shame from that. Like oh well, what do you you tell me that? But what do you think of me? I made it about me, and I was embarrassed, and I was I wanted to be like. Oh, well, but, but let me just, let me tell you how hard we're working with her. Let me tell you all the things that we're doing <laughs> to look like a good parent. And now I see, I see like moments where my kids are just kids and imperfect. I see those moments as reminders that we have to constantly be teaching them about their need for a savior, about the sin in our own hearts and not worrying so much about what the teacher thinks or what this person thinks or what the stranger at the park thinks or anything like that. Just remembering that like, okay, there's no one here, but you, you know, referring to my, whether it's my daughter or my son, or, I mean, I could tell you any number of times that we have had to just leave a public place because Mm -hmm. my sweet little boy on the spectrum is something has gone south and he's, he's fallen apart and we have to, you know, carry him to the car flailing and screaming and wondering, what do all these people at the park think of us right now? Yeah, And I I could be paralyzed by that, or I could say, there's no one here but you. It's me and you, bud, or it's, it's me and you, sweetie. We are gonna figure this, we are gonna figure this out. And you know what? God is still in this and God is teaching all of us. And obviously in those, right in those moments, I, I don't want the listeners to think, oh, I'm just that godly. <laughs> and I think <laughs> in the height of those hard moments that I'm just, you know, thinking, what is God teaching me through this? (laughs) It's always after the fact. It's always in in 2020 that I'm able to be like, all right, Lord, thank you. Thank you for showing me how much I need you. Thank you for teaching me. Sometimes it's like, you feel like you've had a really terrible day, Mm -hmm. just one parenting fail after another, and one frustrating moment after another. But honestly, like, when we when we can get quiet before the Lord and we can rest and we can recover and we can walk our kids through forgiveness and then ask them for the forgiveness that we might need, it's sort of in those days that we maybe thought were the hardest or the worst that we see that's like when sanctification happened so much. And that's the trajectory of a believer is one of becoming more like Jesus. And we don't necessarily become more like Jesus until we have those moments that we see how much we need to.
0: Yes. You know, yes, mm-hmm. I love uh, the forgiveness. I've learned more, I think, about forgiveness, like since having our daughter, because there's so much talk about it. Like, oh, Mama, you know, I'm I'm sorry. I should not have raised my voice. yet. Yeah, it's okay to be frustrated, but I should not have said it that way. And I'm sorry. The other mm-hmm. day, I apologized mm-hmm. to Vera for something, and it was the sweetest thing. It was the first time she's she'll be four in a month and a half, but she said to me, like, I said, I, oh, I'm sorry. Mama said that, you know, blah, blah. She goes, yeah, me too. Sometimes mama. I said, it was so like, she recognized that she felt sorry too. She didn't say it on her own, but like, it was the first time where she recognized it. And it was so beautiful. I was like, she's hearing it and she's seeing it. And it's humbling that we have to keep coming here. And for me to keep apologizing, but like, she is recognizing it. And it it just like, it broke my heart in the most beautiful. I was so filled with joy because I was like, she gets this, like, I just, anyway, so that sanctification, <laughs> lots yes. of it, lots of it yes. going on yes. with little ones. <laughs> yes, totally. I love that. Yeah. Um, Katie, um, What are some of, so going through this process and like wanting to teach your kids to be more like Jesus at the end of the day, like that's, that's your goal. That's what you're doing. That's your job. That's, that's what you're up to. What are some ways that God has surprised you or some joys in motherhood that you never thought you it would experience not because oh she's going to experience it and I'm not, but just things that have been like just totally things again like you would never have written yourself something that God has written that you have experienced because of your desire to make yourself smaller and make Him
1: bigger. Mm-hmm. That's a great question, Becky. I think because so so much of motherhood has surprised me. You know, from getting my son's diagnosis to. Um, realizing how difficult parenting is to adopting and having, you know, a, a bigger family than I anticipated. Truly, though, it is the moments that have been so incredibly joyful. In all of this, are the moments that that only that only could come from God doing something big, and you know, like you just mentioned, your daughter kind of grasping forgiveness. Mm-hmm. In a new way, when you see your kids show a little bit of fruit of the Holy Spirit in their lives, it is, I mean, it, uh, yes, <laughs> it's, um, you know, when I think it's in first John, when he says, I have no greater joy than hearing of my children walking in the truth. And that is, oh, that is so real for a mama's heart. Yeah. And my daughter, even just last night, I had to separate. You know, my um, my seven year old and my four year old because they were just at each other. And my four year old, he just fell asleep in his bed. It was close to bedtime, anyways. He just fell asleep, and my seven year old was still awake. And when I went down there about eight forty five, she had cut out like a chain of five people. And written everybody's name on it and just put, I'm sorry, I'm (laughs) sorry, I'm sorry. And then on the last person, she put, I'm the sorriest person in the world. (laughs) Oh, sweet girl. Oh, oh, sweetheart. And just for her to have that moment, you know, when she felt like I did something wrong and I want to make it right. Right that is something that we as parents we cannot manufacture yeah. in our children. We can't even really manufacture that in ourselves. Like we have to let the Holy Spirit has to produce that desire to be repentant and that desire for restoration. And so when you see that happening, it's a, it's it's such a sweet gift. It's such a sweet gift and that's that is from God. That is from God. We talk about it, we teach it. But at the end of the day, all we're doing is putting, we're giving our kids language mm-hmm. and then we're praying that the Holy Spirit lets it land. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So good. So right. Mm-hmm. Um, with five kids and different needs, different personalities, different preferences, different a lot of things um, in coming back to like being the mom they need with five yes. different children. Um, how, how do you How do you orchestrate? How do you do that? How do you I know, you know, the Lord gives you all sorts of stuff, but like really in your home, like how do you do that with all the different everything going on?
1: Yes, uh, very imperfectly Mm -hmm. (laughs) to answer the question. It is it is a lot and it's hard. And I um well, there's two two things that I want to say is that um Rach Kincaid, who is a writer that I just, I just love following her and learning from her. But she said once that all of our children, Rach Kincaid has six children, two um, are her stepchildren and then four. Mm -hmm. So six children. And um, so she knows what she's talking about Uh in terms of, you know, um, parenting, parenting multiple personalities and multiple needs. But she said, none of our children are going to leave our home, leave our care with all of their needs fully met. That's a relief. Uh, Thank goodness, right? (laughs) like We are not going to be able to emotionally, spiritually, and physically equip our children for every single thing they are going to need by the time they're 18 and leave. And... I mean, there's probably a piece of us as adults that know that. I mean, many of us, I mean, I would say all of us are constantly we're either seeing a therapist or we're mm-hmm. we're going we're reading good books. like we are constantly learning who we are and how we operate and how our gifts can best be put to use in the world, right as as adults. and that's a good and healthy thing. and so i I try to remember that. like what? the entire building is not going to be built before my my kids leave but what i what i want to do is lay a good foundation and help them build some good strong scaffolding yeah so that they can go into the world and and navigate it in a way that they're not built on sand they're they're built on a solid rock but i have to free myself of being god for them god is god and so i start with that you know when it comes to all of them because at the end of the day i'm just I'm not going to do that perfectly. I'm just not going to. Um, But that doesn't mean we don't try. And that doesn't mean we don't steward to the best of our ability. And so meeting the needs of five different kids really comes down to being a really good student Mm -hmm. of your children, really, really paying attention, noticing what makes our kids, each one of them, what makes them angry? What are they constantly asking for? When do they feel scared or anxious? And taking the time to stop and answer their questions, and you know my um, seven-year-old. She asked me just yesterday. You know we are recording this kind of in, in in the wake of just heartbreaking injustice and racial racial tension in our country. And she saw um, some sort of a news blurb about the movie Just Mercy, and she asked me if. Um, she could watch it. And I said, you know, honey, I don't think that you're old enough to watch the movie yet. Just in, in terms of <laughs> the content and how a mm-hmm. seven year old would process all of that. And I kind of wanted to stop there and just say, Oh, you're, you're not old enough. But I realized in that moment, like, you need to pay attention to this question she's asking because what she is asking is for more understanding. And what what she needs right now is a mom who at an age appropriate level is going to walk her through. Yeah, it's the, not about the movie. It's about... It's not mm-hmm. about the movie. This is about the questions she is asking. And so we're in the car and we ended up taking like three extra laps, like long laps around our neighborhood because I knew as soon as I parked the car, the babies are going to be screaming to get out yeah. of their seatbelts. And so it was in that moment, just this is what she needs. And so let's drive around a little more and let's talk about it as best that we can. Yep. And so we did that. And and so yeah, like looking for the needs to meeting the needs of our children is constantly being willing to be interrupted
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and paying attention and praying with them and not and again, not seeing what they need as in the way of your work, but seeing it as the work. That is the work. It's not in the way of other things.
0: Right out of all the just ways that you steward motherhood, like what are some of the ways, Katie, that are like, aren't your strengths or things that aren't natural for you that you find yourself needing to do or just just struggling to do, but you know they're important? And like, how do you approach those things?
1: Uh, Oh, this is probably going to sound like a trite answer and I I don't want it to be, but it's the truth. It is like, pray. God, help me because I, by, I'm by i actually not naturally a super empathetic person. I have a lot of compassion, but I kind of, I tend to go too quickly to, I understand that you feel that way, but let's make a list of five things we can do to make it better. <laughs> let's not just sit there in the pain, like let's make it better. And I have, that is something that I really, I have to constantly be working on because I can project that, that, um, goal oriented, let's make a list and accomplishment. Let's not stay where we are Mm -hmm. mentality. I can project that onto my children and, and try to rush them too quickly out of what they're feeling back to where I want them to feel so that I can get on with my day of productivity and, accomplishment and, oh, I have that essay I need to write. I kind of wanted to, I wanted you to be in a better place so that you weren't infringing on my writing time, you know, all of those, all of those things that I, um, it's not natural for me to, to want to stop. And so I have to have God break me and, and break that into me so that I am, I am more willing to be moldable and realizing like my effectiveness for the kingdom does not depend on how much I am doing and how much I am creating and how much I am putting together for other people to read or take in. My effectiveness for the kingdom is right here Mm -hmm. in my own heart and in my own home. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: That's good. That's good. That's convicting. Um, Katie, what would you say you have, like, how have you changed the most, I guess, in the last seven years? Being a mom and going from what you thought motherhood might look like, what your family might look like to what your family does look like, the mm-hmm. challenges, the joys, everything that you have, like what's changed you the most? How have you changed the most?
1: I, I think the short answer to that is I have mostly, because it's not perfect, it's not I haven't arrived, but I have mostly dropped my need to perform. And my need to look like I have it all together, and my need to look like a good mom. Mm-hmm. I I desired those things to the probably to the point of idolatry.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Are you two wing and, three. What's that? Two wing three. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Exactly. <laughs> and so I um I watched just like one chapter of my motherhood journey at a time. From having a super a strong-willed daughter who was who I wanted to be the nicest in the room, and she wasn't always the nicest in the room, to then having a child with special needs, um, whom because of his struggles and his issues, just cannot do a lot of things the way that other kids can do things, and that means our family hasn't been able to do. A lot of things, the way that other families can do things, we've had to leave birthday parties, we've had to leave church, we've had to, um, you know, go through just countless situations where, you know, from the outside looking in, it looks it looks bad and hard, and we probably look like we have no idea what we're doing. And I have had to let those things go. I have had to stop worrying about providing an explanation and stop worrying about um, the perception of others and worry about what do my kids need from me in this moment? Mm -hmm. And I have come a long, long way in that. It's, it's, I'm not, I'm not there. No, we're always learning and growing, but yeah. But, um, -hmm. you know, a decade ago, I thought God needed me and now I realize how much I need him and I much prefer that. I much prefer that position.
0: Yeah your answer to this might be the same as what you just talked about. Um, but just in case it's not, what do you feel that God has set you free from?
1: Yeah, that that mm-hmm. performance mentality. Mm-hmm. That performance mm-hmm. mentality. It can be cri- pride. Is, it can be so crippling. And it's so, pride is such an easy sin to call not sin. It's such an easy, it's such a stinker. <laughs> you know, it's, that's a, it's, it's something that needs to be rooted out and sometimes, sometimes painfully, painfully so. And the, that's why God's gonna continue to do it. He's gonna continue to make us people that see our need for Him, that see that apart from His great rescue, from us, we're, we're not anything. We're not anything. Cause we're gonna, we're gonna, human beings, the, the natural bent of our heart, is to want to be put together and to be good and to be perceived as good by other people. So, and and just for me, so much of that journey has come in motherhood.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Katie, for sharing just all of it. So honestly, um, so relatable, so convicting. Um, I love chatting with you. Um, Katie, where can people follow along, see those sweet kids, read (laughs) more of what you is, just what's on your heart and what God is speaking to you and how he's working in your life?
1: Yeah, well, first, thank you for having me and letting me talk about yeah. these things, Becky. Um, but um, I, I am on Instagram at Katie M. Blackburn. And my blog is katiemblackburn.com. And then I also write for the Coffee and Crumbs blog um, just with my my sisters over there, which is a storytelling blog about about motherhood. And we tell stories because we've kind of learned that we don't really know what we're doing. So it's better to not give uh, formulas and lessons, and just better to tell stories <laughs> so that moms don't feel like they're alone. Yes, um, in this journey. Yes,
0: so awesome. Check it out, guys! It's it's all really good stuff. Thank you, Katie, for being here. Of course, thank you, Becky. Again, don't forget to check out the show notes where we have all of the info and links and resources we talked about in the show. You can go to beckymorquecho.com, B-E-C-K-Y-M-O-R-Q-U-E-C-H-O.com. Thanks for listening in.